Hey yo, welcome to the Good Buddy Sports Bar Golf Edition. In this edition, we talk about Ricky's recent victory, expanding the game of golf, and who should be making up the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Okay, let's switch it up a little bit yeah. and chat about some golf. Um, Rocket Mortgage Classic happened last weekend. Let's go, Ricky. Um, yeah. Great win for him. Imagine waiting like almost 1,300 days in between professional victories, and that is your livelihood. Totally breaking down a swing, going from being over the shoulder to more upright. Like, what a transformation. Um, And the mental grind, mental fortitude to get there. Um, We talked about the course and how we thought it was going to take 30 under to win and like – uh, how some courses are looking to be obsolete. I thought the course held up pretty well. Um, from an O Canada standpoint, had a couple of Canadians in contention, including Havlin, um, getting into the playoff. It was a good playoff. Like I know it only lasted one hole. Ricky hit great shot. Got a read off Havlin, um, but got the win. Um, anything else that stood out from the weekend in golf for you? Yeah, I don't think that course played as easy as everyone thought it was going to. Even with the rain and the fact that it was still, it was soft as a result of that, it didn't seem overly easy. Like it was penal if they missed the fairway, you know, the, it didn't seem like everyone was throwing darts. I mean, even on that last playoff hole, like, uh, what was it, Morikawa was that, that was it? Yeah, he flew the green, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he hits out it of the like rough. Yeah, eight yard, eight yards, a flyer out of the rough, and it's a, it's two feet from being perfect. Yeah, right. I think, and then you know, Ricky hits one. What was that? 18, 15, 18 feet, and Hadwin hits it twenty ish feet. I mean, you, no one was throwing darts to like four feet to finish it. They had to, you know, Ricky had to make a bomb to win that. And the I fact think the that percentage on that was like thirty-two percent. Right, yeah, thirty-two percent after seeing the read. Well, I don't know if the you know? metrics take that into account, but yeah, I think it goes up from but, there. I think it goes up to like fifty. But if it was going to be playing that easy, I don't think you would have seen a three-way playoff. I mean, someone would have gotten hot and yeah. just started going low. So I think it. I think it played well, you know, a 20, 25 on under on a, you know, older course that's a little bit more open, not super long. And that's kind of what we should be expecting. And it's great that you bring that up because it's back to the point that I made last week where I feel as if most courses are setting themselves up for 1500 to win anything more than that. The weather has cooperated for the players, anything less than that, the weather has cooperated for the course to be able to stand up to the tests of the best professionals in the world. Um, where was I going with this? Um, oh, part of the issue that we find too, is I don't think it's necessarily courses being obsolete. The game has grown to the point where the PGA wants to either go back to areas where they used to be and, get into new regions that they haven't been in a long time, Detroit being one of them, bringing the Rocket Mortgage back a few years ago. That's big for the local golf community. And that's 
part of the issue that I have with Rory's comments is not every area is going to have that elite, elite golf course that's going to truly test the greatest players in the world, but you still need to bring the game to as many corners of the country as you can, or as many corners of the world as you can. And that's where I think live is opening up the game to a more global audience. And same thing with the PGA too, or going back to areas where they hadn't been for a while, um, or that are underrepresented Utah getting a golf event event coming up here in 2024. Um, I think will be big for that mountain region of the country. So uh, yeah, I think there's just tests of golf that aren't going to be that strong when it comes to the PGA Tour, but they need to be going there. Um, And that can't be forgotten about either. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, you hear about these these old, you know, prestigious, somewhat famous courses. Like, don't you want to – let's take it back to the Southern Ontario – like you hear, oh, Hamilton Golf and Country Club, oh, blah, 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 it's so good, yada, yada, yada. And then you watch, then you go and you get to watch the pros just tear it up. And you're like, oh, shit, these guys are really good. You know what I mean? Like I think that, to your point, I think getting golf on those courses kind of gives the people in those areas perspective on like how good these guys are. Yeah. Like wasn't their marketing thing like these guys are good? Yes. And they aren't lying when they say that. Um, It's funny you bring up that point. And Hamilton Country Club, I think, is a good example of a course that as it's settled, it's become so extreme that they almost the course forced their hand to set pins in the middle of every green because they couldn't hide them. They couldn't put them on some of the sloping because it was so extreme. So it just went through a huge facelift. I will be excited the next time that they go there and it plays more like the original routing and the original, I guess, conditions that they have for that course where bunkering will be in play again. That wasn't in play for quite a while. Greens aren't quite as undulating, so they can roll them at that 11, 12, 13. Whereas in past years, they've had to roll them at those nine or tens. And yeah, PGA players are going to eat that course up. Um, so, Well, it also goes back to it. like the the... Like they always, they, they like to play the Canadian Open at Glen Abbey. Like, there's so many awesome courses in all of these different regions that don't get the the love that you know some of these ones they played at forever do. And being able to spread it around, I think, is is beneficial for the game in general. Yeah, absolutely. I figure we could chat a little Ryder Cup. Coming out of last weekend with Taylor Gooch winning again on the live tour. Bryson continuing to come back from injury and showing old form. Ricky winning again. JT and his struggles. Sam Burns on the cut line for Here, top I got, 12. I got even though that isn't necessarily how it's going to. Okay. Hit me with it. I got something. So rather than rolling the ball back, when you watch, you know, you watch the, (laughs) (laughs) you watch the travelers or you watch these tournaments where they're going, you know, minus 20, minus 25, whatever. We never really discuss, Ooh, they're shooting 64 or they're shooting unless they're like going super low. Right. So really at this point, the score 
the actual number of shots is an irrelevant number. It's really the score to par, right? So rather than rolling the ball back or the equipment, <laughs> why don't let's you just change pull, par? Pull a Bryson when he said Augusta was a par sixty-seven for him, and adjust the courses. You know, this par five is now only a par four, and rather than being, a we're par gonna have to we're gonna have to get the make it a, a par sixty-nine. We're going to have to get our mathematician friend, the Warsaw Wonder, on here to break that down. But you know what I mean? Because that's his like, point when it comes to golf. Like, it's, it, yeah, par is irrelevant when par, you're. Par is irrelevant. You know, make it, make a 515 yard par five into a par four. Then it doesn't matter. The ball still goes just as far. They still have to hit a, a long iron into it. And you're looking at it saying, okay. He was minus three, and he was minus four. He was plus one. That'll make the course harder. I mean, that's what they do in the U.S. Open, right? They typically will yeah. make turn a seventy-one or seventy-two into a seventy or seventy-one, and right. Um, yeah, make a par three. That's three hundred yards. I think yeah. it's easier to do with some courses than others. For um, sure. Just given how they're set up and, I thought, and meant to be played, but yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely an option. Yeah, like maybe you do it with like the older courses, right? The ones that they say are getting outdated. A lot of the new ones are long, and you know, they're set up more for the modern game. But when you look at like a Detroit Country Club, like make it a par sixty-eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again like I don't know you're it goes back to the point that I keep on making they're setting up the course for 15 under so like let's call it four shots it's three and three quarter shots per round that they're giving up to the course or the course is given up to the players so like shooting 69 is not the end of the world and that's what we're paying to see and like we need some sort of metric in order to be able to judge these guys historically against too. So like changing par is going to be a tough uphill battle. Well, I mean, they're going to they're gonna go around. I thought you I thought you were going to take the Ryder Cup example and be like, maybe if the course is that easy, maybe we just go straight up match play. I, I and then score doesn't matter. More, I would love to see more match play tournaments too. Me too. I, I'd love more match play more team play i think that's what's gonna start happening yeah like yeah. i think you know you're have more match play have more drama like in the actual group you're watching on the tv not just oh okay Finau and morikawa and taylor gooch are all in this group one's minus eight one's minus two and you know Finau's in a blender today and he's plus four like, have it where if there's if there's a featured group on TV, it's because those three or four guys are battling for something that specific day. Well, that's why people love sport in general. You're watching two people or two teams going head-to-head to see who wins. And that's where rivalries, hatred, all the great things that sports bring out of humans, whether it be good or bad, 
comes into play. And I think people could really tie themselves into like being in the Brooks um, Bryson debate. It was like your team Bryson or your team Brooks, but did they really hate each other? No. If you start playing the match play four or five times a year against each other, things could get real interesting in a hurry. Guys not giving putts, guys like a little gamesmanship here and there, uh, guys can get on each other's nerves and was, it can get good. Was there anyone that was actually team Bryson? There's a lot of Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. You know I'm how I know that Jordan lives Bryson. in the U.S.? <laughs> uh, I actually hey, I appreciate that the guy crunches numbers. and He was undervalued a fair bit just purely because nobody liked him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that also even the allows books like, didn't like him. Yeah, I mean that, like it, it allows like the heroes and the villains and the heels to like have more entertainment value. Like everyone hates Patrick Reed, and like wouldn't it just be so much better for golf if he was playing match play all the time and you could have someone to root against that you just like did not want to see win. And that's what golf needs. It needs a little bit more of that. I don't even like, I think everybody's trying to think too, too far outside the box. We already have the basis for what you need to do. And it's the oldest form of golf match play. Let's go like, just get after it. Yeah. And let them send two guys out there head to head and like, let them wear fucking shorts. Let them, no one's playing golf and let them play some music. Like, like what do they need to wear? The winner for? of the previous hole gets to choose the song for the next hole. Yeah. And you're allowed to talk while they play it. And you're allowed to chirp and like make it like a real sport. Like make it like they're shooting free throws. The only person who bitches about who was it? Was it Booker that was crying when someone was making noise while he's trying to shoot free throws? Like, come on. Did you uh did you watch any of the live this week? I did watch a bit of it, yeah. Me too. I love that course. Yeah, it's special, man. It was really cool. And it just seems it like really so much golf. more fun, man. Like there's music on, they're kind of like, you know, interacting with people. Like why everything's evolving. Why can't why does the PGA need to stay being stuffy and, and boring? Yeah, I mean like when you look at that leaderboard. Taylor Gooch fighting off Brooks and Bryson, and then DJ's in the mix, Cam Smith's in the mix. Like it's, it's pretty damn good. Yeah. At a world class course. Yeah, and this and it, I thought it was a great event. Yeah, I, I haven't liked all the live events, but I I actually really enjoyed that one. I think it, t- it takes some time to get your feet under you. And I think they're starting to find their stride a little bit. Like, I agree. Sometimes the the jumping from hole to hole and like the amount of action that's going on is a little too ADHD for my liking. But uh, I do like the constant flow of action. Like They do have much more going on than a regular PGA event. I think if you put that in front of a old boy that's trying to watch the PGA, his head would explode. But um, yeah, I think, I think they're finally finding their stride and rolls into some conversation when it comes to the Ryder cup. I did a blog post on my power rankings. You guys have the, uh, 
the attachment there in the chat if you want to check them out. Um, at the bottom is kind of a couple of spots that I got question marks beside like JT's form. He's been struggling. Sam Burns hasn't had the greatest of year years, but when you're the winner of the Dell Technologies match play, does that get you a bit of a cushion or does that bump, bump you up a spot or two onto the list to be able to make the Ryder Cup? Uh, Bryson... Again, coming back into form, Ricky being on the cusp there, and then Gooch. Like Al, lay out what you laid out for me earlier when we were talking about um, the Ryder Cup. The two, I guess, well, thought yeah, processes I mean, on is how the Ryder, should be picked. Yeah, I mean, is the Ryder Cup the members of the PGA Tour US versus the PGA Tour Europe, or is it the US versus Europe? Because it's two different scenarios. And you have a guy like Taylor Gooch to what Jordan was saying, beating or beating out Brooks and Bryson with some other studs like creeping up. Like the guy has won what three times already this year? And he's playing really well. Yeah, he's playing amazing. And the other piece is like in the Ryder Cup, you don't have to play seventy two holes in four days. Like you can end up playing two matches or three, you know, three matches. So, you know, that whole, oh, you've got to be able to play 72 holes and that's how we rank who gets to make it on this team, I think is is a, an old way of looking at it. I think now you got to look at it and go, you know, this guy's balling right now. Like, how do you not want him on your team? Now, I was reading your blog post and I think Cantlay should be at best the <laughs> coach's pick solely because he is so fucking slow. <laughs> And that's like my biggest pet peeve. Like, if you're not going to play faster, you need to be penalized for it. And like, Brent, well, Brent I have him at number five. Should like and immediately be in because he plays golf so fast. <laughs> I I have him at five, and you got to read the description because I say guy can hoop. Like he, yeah, he is a good golfer, great golfer. But Jeebus, is he slow? But like, at the same time, I like he's sponsored, by, he's sponsored by Dewalt, and I don't think he even knows what a like how to use a drill. So like <laughs> just drills in backwards. That's how slow he is. I mean, jokes aside, I, if you want to make the Ryder cup, like back to what it was, because and we can debate it if we want, but I think the whole live thing is kind of like messed with the Ryder cup and it's quote unquote legitimacy at this point. I think that what they need to do is they need to readjust to the official world golf ratings or rankings or however the hell they do it. And if a guy's hooping like Taylor Gooch is, he should be on the fucking Ryder Cup team, period. I mean, if I'm a coach, I'm like, give me the guys that are hot right now. And Taylor Gooch is about as hot as it gets. Him and Ricky. It's kind of funny because if we were talking about this a little while ago, we'd be throwing around Charles Schwartzel as that hot thing coming out of live and look at where he's at. And if Taylor Gooch can ride it out for a month or two, by all means, put him on the team. And that's why they gave them six captains picks. And I think hopefully they use them towards some guys on live or some guys that are playing well on the other tour. I think, um, um, I think the, and give them an opportunity. I think the Open Championships gonna be huge for yeah for the live guys um, if if they 
want to qualify like Bryson and Gooch who are probably on the bubble. They're going to have to play well in that yeah. tournament, in my opinion. Gooch not qualifying for the U.S. Open and not being able to play in another major after I think he missed the cut at the PGA doesn't help, yep. even though he's won three times on live. He, I think, you know, yep. he's really got to play well at, at the Open, and so does Bryson. I think they're, they're both playing well enough to, to be on the team. Um, there's a lot of guys, though. The U.S. is so deep. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, think, think about it this way. Like, yeah, especially- let's just assume that you had, you know, whether it's live, whatever the title for the tournament is, like, take all that away, and you just have a dude who's won three tournaments, and you look at the leaderboard, and the other names on the leaderboard are, you know, the cream of the crop. Like you'd be like, oh, that guy's playing well. I want him, but because there's so much politics around it and so much emotion around live versus PGA and and, and you know how that all works, I think it throws a, a huge wrench into everything. Yeah, of course. But- yeah, there's still an unknown as to like how battle tested even though they are going up against some of the biggest names how battle tested are some of these guys when push comes to shove so it'll be interesting to see i think jordan brings up a great point open championship yeah some of them got to play well in order to even give themselves a, a sniff at it yeah now with that being said somebody who's looking on the outside in from an open championship standpoint, who's been a mainstay for well over a decade with the European team, Sergio. What do we see the Europeans doing? If let's say all things being equal and we're assuming that it's Europeans versus Americans, no tour involvement. So you can pick whoever you want. Sergio, does he make it? Do you use a pick on him or don't you? So Sergio did not qualify for the, for the open first, time since 1997 correct he was one shot off the pace yesterday tied yeah t6 so he didn't qualify so he's not gonna be able to play i don't think he gets picked but maybe he does um i think it's luke donald's the captain i believe he told him he wasn't gonna take him there was like zero chance but then this whole Mm -hmm. merger happened and i don't know if that changes things but um yeah, it's a trickier one, especially not having the open. Yeah, and like I look at himself. He did play well at the U.S. Open. Yeah, and I see he had to again qualify his way into the U.S. Open, so he had to grind that one out. And I think with him being a shot off getting into the British Open, kind of shows that he still got that grind left in left in him. And that team is so young that I think having a guy like Sergio would be good for that team to have a veteran mentor in that locker room. And I, I think they need some of that, somebody with a bit of clue in that locker room. Yeah. I mean, there's Sergio Stenson, um, the two Englishmen on live, um, like Westwood. Westwood. And, yeah. Well, Stenson was supposed to be the captain, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be tough to see all four of them not on it. But here's a question for you guys: 
considering that okay. Ryder Cup is just Europeans, like, is the President's Cup a cooler tournament because you get like the best players in the world versus the U.S.? Like, I think the Ryder Cup thing so. But it just hasn't shown that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Ryder Cup is just the history of it is is just yes. so much more um, significant given golf, you know, was invented in Europe and and then allegedly and then, you know, blew up in, in the United States and they have had these Ryder Cups for so long. I think the President's Cup's really cool, but I do think, you know, maybe there's a change happening now, especially with Liv becoming more of a global game and there's more you know players from from asia especially um getting good um that maybe as we get older the president's cup is a better match between the two teams but historically the europeans have been i think uh significantly better than the the world team yeah no i i don't disagree i think the history contributes a massive amount to the lore of the Ryder Cup. But as a golf fan, like I want to see Cam Smith and Adam Scott and, you know, some of the Canadians or, you know, some of the Asian guys, like all of them on a team against a hyper stacked, super stacked, American team, it just seems so much more appealing to me. But I get the whole like history of the Ryder Cup, you know. You're also Canadian. <laughs> yeah, we'll take the Canadians out of it. But like <laughs> but like, don't you want to see, you know, Sung J M and you know Ben on and those guys play in it? Like I think that's just where I find that the President's Cup is almost a cooler tournament to me if you take out the history of the Ryder Cup. I think to me, it's about, you know, the most talent going, yeah. competing and historically. And I think still, still now it's, the, it's more talent on Europe than um, the world team. But like I said, I think that that definitely could change. Um, yeah. And maybe there's been some years where the world team has been like some of those years when Adam Scott was, you know, like the best player in the world or second best, um, those teams were pretty good. And Weirzy was, was, was hooping. But yeah, I, I think for me, it's just like, I want to see the best players in the world playing against each other. And, um, for the most part, that's been Europe versus the United States and the Ryder cup. But I could definitely see that changing over the next five to ten years for sure yeah like i'm just looking at these like even though they're my rankings um they're pretty close to what the current layout even is. though the, these are these rankings are correct uh <laughs> as correct as they will come um like they got so much talent in the u.s team and like decisions yeah, are going to have to be made towards the bottom. Bradley, Max Homa, who's won twice this year, even though he's trending down, having missed two cuts in the last three starts. Morikawa, Ricky, Jordan Spieth, 
Cam Young, Sam Burns, and JT are the six through thirteen positions. And Fino, JT and Fino have not been playing. Fino's even lower. Yeah, where's Tom Kim from? American. Is he American? Or sorry, no. yeah, no, no, he's uh, South Korean. Oh, okay, right. I think so. I'm not sure, but he definitely was on the world team in um, the Presidents Cup last year. Yeah, yeah. he made a, he made uh, he was actually awesome in it. Well, he made I, a it, bunch of big putts. He was some big time. I, I honestly I think you remember he was playing great and and like fist pumping and yeah. Like, golf is in such a interesting and amazing spot right now. Like with the live PGA, whatever comes out of that. But it just seems like it, there's so much more publicity on, around it now. Like the whole, like there's no such thing as bad publicity. Like you're seeing so much more talk of golf. You're seeing so many, like there's so much more golf to watch. It's an exciting time to be a fan of it because of everything that's going on. Yeah, I agree. It's getting younger. It's modernizing. I got, us lined up with somebody from Link's Dow to come on at some point when we find our stride here. And I think that'll kind of talk about the evolution of golf, where it's headed, um, rerouting courses so that you can get multiple different routings out of an 18 hole course, dropping it down to a 12 hole course. Like there's so much stuff in the future for golf. It's, it's an exciting time. I agree. I think that's a good idea. Let's keep getting some reps in and um, improving. Yeah, I got moving out the kinks and I got Coop then, to um, yeah. I got and then we can open it up to some other. Uh, yeah, I got Coop to say that he would come on from Linkstaff, so he can give us an inside look of what their struggles have been, what they're thinking of the future of the game how they're trying to grow it. I think it would be a good interview. All right. All right. Are we done for the day? I think we've beat this dead horse enough. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's another episode of the Good Buddy Sports Bar. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at the GBSB. If you want to follow myself, Skinny Burt, it's at SkinnyBurt2 on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can follow the Good Buddy Sports Bar.